This Three Beards Media Podcast may contain mature themes. And if you're not down with that, we got three words for you. Like the podcast. Nailed it! Welcome in, everybody. Episode 6 of the Hawks Eye View podcast. I'm Andrew Barber, my co-host Drew Shipley with me here. I am sponsored by Revelton Distillery and Kyle Layman at Wintrust Mortgage. Huge thank you to both of them. Drew, you ever been publicly reprimanded before? I don't even know what that means. Nobody uh, knows what it means, but it's provocative, right? Yeah, it's really provocative. I think we should make that one of our goals before 2023 ends is to be publicly reprimanded by someone. I, I, I think we have a better chance of getting a cease and desist, but that's just me. Yeah. Hopefully we don't get one of those. I would rather be publicly reprimanded because it sounds like there's absolutely zero consequences here. So for, for tonight's opening drive segment here, let's catch everybody up with what we're talking about. Iowa wide receiver, Nico Ragaini. I've been saying it, Regani. It's apparently Ragaini. Um, he had some choice words to say, some not safe for work kind of words during his uh, meeting with the media. I believe it was on Tuesday. So um, we're going to go ahead and just play the clip for you here in one second. And uh, you can just hear what he had to say. Was it pass interference? Yeah, you know, I mean, I feel like what's the NCAA or Big Ten going to find me if I say that's a horseshit fucking call or what? Yeah, I don't know. I probably shouldn't have talked to F. I'm in there, but God damn. Oh, Jesus. Don't worry. I won't use that. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, it's whatever. No, it seemed like they were letting a lot go. In, in relation to that during that game, did it feel like they were letting a lot of hand fighting and stuff go on? Um, I mean, I don't know if you would consider that hand fighting, but <laughs> I don't know. We're taught to fight through it because, I mean, it's football. There's holding on every play. I'm sure our line holds on every play, but just got to fight through it and, and, and try and contest the catch. I mean, ball doesn't lie. We got to pick six the next play, so. So there you have it. He, uh, has some very choice words about uh, the pick that Jeremiah Cooper had against Cade McNamara, the defensive pass interference, if you will. Uh, He did later apologize after being publicly reprimanded, but he only apologized for his choice of words, if you'll notice. He didn't apologize for what he said because he didn't feel like he was wrong. So Uh, John Sears with uh, Mr. Soundoff with the clip there that I, I borrowed from Twitter. So we'll give him the appropriate credit that he deserves for 
sharing that clip of Mr. Nico. And uh, it just feels like this team is kind of just unfiltered, relaxed, and kind of just loving life. And you know what? I wonder if this sets a trend later on down the road of players in college football being more free-spirited with their words. I mean, if, if, if the top thing is reprimand, public reprimand, like, I'll go ahead and spout off when I feel, you know? And, and again, like you said, he was right. So, like, he didn't have anything to apologize for for the, for the message um, or, you know, what he meant. But uh, that was the first time I actually heard the uncensored uh, version of his of his uh, words, which is uh, potty mouth. He kisses his mother with that mouth, man. Like I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I think he's just a sixth year senior senior that basically just doesn't care anymore, and he's just gonna say whatever he wants. So <laughs> what are they gonna uh, do? Um, do we want to dive into more press conference fun? I guess I I could bring my screen up. And we could share some more clips of more press conference fun. I don't know if everybody will understand that one as. as oh, we might we might as we might as well play the sophomoric humor while we got it going. Yeah. Uh, here is quarterback one uh, with an interesting choice of words about Western Michigan's blitz packages. Big packages. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. You know our level of communication up front and me with me, the backs and, you know, really everyone just being on the same page because we know these guys are going to come uh, a lot. I mean, there's, <laughs> that was... <laughs> but uh, I mean, we have to be on key with our hots. We got to be on key with our protection. So, um... <laughs> damn it. Uh, I was not expecting that, but yeah, we'll, we'll be <laughs> I can't it's good to just see that these guys are real human beings with senses of humor you know they're immature college kids just like a lot of us were immature college kids so it's really fun to just see the human side uh with both Nika and Cade there uh Blake Hornstein from one of the local tv stations in Iowa City I believe that I borrowed that clip from him so proper credit to him but uh yeah i just i just really enjoy the laid-back nature of this of this team i i mean does that sound like have to replace the long-standing uh awkward uh kai uh leonard's laugh in his presser <laughs> like he's he's so like awkward like just <laughs> saying things and then his laugh was even like i, I don't know i think it replaces Kawhi leonard yeah, I don't know. I I think uh, Kate Kate's laugh is a little bit more infectious than Kawhi Leonard's. <laughs> Kawhi Leonard is just so unnatural. Like, it, you don't even think he's a real person, and he may not be. Kawhi Leonard might just be a robot. We'll never know. But uh, yeah. Uh, so that's our opening drive segment here. Um, first down. What do we know? What do we know? What are you thinking about? Uh, Western Michigan this week. What have you heard about them? What are you expecting? So I listened to Hawk Talk last night with Kirk Ferentz and Gary Dolphin. And if, you know, if Kirk Ferentz doesn't have it pegged of what this team's identity is and, and the Western Michigan Broncos, then like, I, I don't know how much I can add to that. Like, I don't, I don't even know what to expect. Historically speaking, I've been a, a predominantly run heavy team. Uh, they lost, 
their running back and their wide receiver from last year to Minnesota. By the way, that's not um, uh, what's the word for it. What am I looking for? Uh, coincidence. Coincidence is the word for it. It's not a coincidence. PJ Fleck is the last time you know uh, Western Michigan was in a good thirteen and one at Western Michigan before he came to Minnesota. Um, so the connection there, he knows how to recruit Michigan or re-recruit his older players. But, uh, yeah, like if, if Kirk Ferentz doesn't know what to expect from this team, then I sure as hell don't, you know? So I'm expecting based on the results from last week, they went and got thumped by Syracuse. I'm expecting a lot of the same, especially on the defensive side of the ball. There's probably going to be a defensive touchdown, uh, Deacon Hill second half. Um, that's what I'm expecting. Yeah, um, I'm kind. I'm kind of with you there. I don't know what to expect. I know they have a first-year head coach, Lance Taylor, so it's obviously a rebuilding year for the Western Michigan Broncos. I I don't think. Uh, I mean, some people could think Iowa might be looking ahead to Penn State this week. Maybe a little bit of a trap scenario. Um, I'm not really. I'm not really sure about that one. Um, but I don't really, I don't really see it. I do know, however, that they will blitz a lot. We heard that a lot from Kirk. We heard that from players from Cade. I mean, in his infamous clip there before that, he was just talking about how they blitz 70% of the time. Uh, that leaves cornerbacks on an Island. And the interesting part of that will be, you know, that's man coverage. And it'll be interesting to see if Brian Ferentz dials up passing plays that are designed to beat man coverage because Iowa runs a lot of schemes that are designed to beat zone coverage where players just guarding an area rather than a man. And you're going to have to have your man beaters on on the perimeter. And, and that's really what I want to see this upcoming week. We, we have to see it, Andrew. Like, if not now, when? Right. How many completions do we have to actual wide receivers through two games? Uh, let's go. Let's go look it up. Let's hit, let's hit the stats. Because let's do it, I, please. Because I think we um, I, I think it's under double digits for sure. Yeah. Through two games. But I think we're over five. Most I'm going to say I'm going to say I'm going to say eight. I'm going to go with eight. I, I think that sounds right. Give me just. One second, I'm pulling up the individual stats, receptions by wide receivers. We are at eight receptions exactly by wide receivers. Look at that. Four for Nico, three for Seth Anderson, uh, one for Deontay Vines at this point in time. So uh, eight to them. Uh, Luke Lachey has 10 catches. 131 yards. Eric All has six catches. Uh, Seth Anderson had the opening season touchdown, though. That went to a wide receiver. Uh, but that's really what I'm looking for. Um, we talked about wide receivers. Let's just move on to second down here. <laughs> who are, who are, let's each pick a player that we think is going to maybe break out in this game. Someone that we ha haven't seen have a good game that we think will break out. So who's your pick? Well, he kind of broke out last week, Andrew, but we still have yet to see a 100-yard rusher. So I'm going to go ahead and, and say Jazz Patterson anyway. Like I'm saying like 150, finding 
pay dirt twice type of type of breakout. That's what I'm saying. Okay. I like it. Um, let's hear some jazz music in Iowa City this this week. <laughs> That's becoming a thing. I love Iowa Hawkeye Twitter because they instantly turned it, you know, into a pun. And I just I just love that about Iowa Hawkeye Twitter. Oh yeah. There's some good and there's some bad, but the good is when we turn players' names into puns. Uh my breakout player for this week, I think is gonna be Caleb Brown. I think the they're going to find ways to get him involved. Uh, they've tried over the first two weeks a little bit. And unfortunately, both of those passes have gotten batted down at the line of scrimmage. Um, I think Cade's healthier than he's ever been. He's gone on record and said that. He's a full participant at practice for the first time in a month. He says he's healthier than he's ever been in a month. I think there's going to be some rollouts to, you know, and he's going to hit Caleb Brown open in like a flat scenario or throw some screen passes Caleb Brown's way. And he's going to get some good blocks. I think Caleb Brown's scoring a touchdown this week. I think he's going over 50 yards and scoring a touchdown as a wide receiver this week. And that's going to be huge. And he's going to be a bigger and bigger factor starting this week as the season goes on. So I think it's going to be obvious by the end of the year that our top two receivers are Seth Anderson and Caleb Brown. It's not that way right now, but I think it's going to be obvious by the end of the season. That's a bold statement, especially when we're starting to enter Big Ten play after this. You know, start start with Penn State, your hardest opponent in the conference. So I hope you're right, but Ryan Ferentz is going to need to prove to me otherwise. You know, over the history of Hawkeye football in general, what, there hasn't been a thousand yard receiver since Marvin McNutt, something like that? Yeah, 100%. And, and what's that, 2009? It's 14 years ago. I believe 2011 was the year that Marvin McNutt went okay. over a thousand yards. I could be wrong. We will. I'm playing statistician tonight. So, we, <laughs> yes, you are. Um, <laughs> let me go back there. Let me go back to 2011 because I know 29, uh, 2009, and part of 2010, both he and DJK were there together. So they they took away from each other a little bit. Sure. Uh, Marvin McNutt, 2011. Um, that team finished, I believe, seven and six. Yeah, seven and six. Ugh. And so we, we don't think about that team in a great light because of James Vandenberg. And I know 2012 James Vandenberg was awful, but 2011 James Vandenberg was pretty darn good. Um, and so was 2011 Marvin McNutt. Uh, Marvin McNutt, 82 catches, 1,300 yards, and 12 <laughs> touchdowns in 2011. <laughs> and the best that got you was seven and six. Unbelievable. I mean, do you want to guess who the next receiver down was? In 2011? Yeah. Oh, man. Uh, uh, is, it is it actually a receiver? Yeah, it actually is a receiver. Our next two leading pass catchers in 2011, our top three pass catchers in 2011 were wide receivers. Uh, I was going to say it was going to be somebody like CJ Fedorowicz or something like that. but uh, He was on the team, but he wasn't our – he was our fourth leading pass catcher. <laughs> I knew he was in there somewhere. Uh, no, I, 
go ahead, spill it, Andrew. I have no idea. Keenan Davis, 50 oh! catches, 700 yards, four touchdowns. And then right below that, Cavante Martin Manley. Oh, wow. That's a blast from the past. Yeah. So Martin McNutt had a great season, but you know who else had a great season running the football that year? Marcus Coker. Oh, yeah. Just under 1,400 yards, 15 touchdowns. I don't know if we'll see it from him this year. I kind of thought we maybe would get close to this. I, I That's kind of season I was thinking of for Caleb Johnson. And I don't think we'll get there with Jazz Patterson in the fold now. That's amazing to think that we had a 1,000-yard rusher, a 1,000-yard receiver, and went 7-6. and six. What was our defense fucking doing? Yeah, uh, we were very young on defense at that point in time. We also had a 3,000-yard passer because James Vandenberg just broke 3K yards. Huh. Um, our defense, if we go if we go through it, there's actually a lot of good guys on this defense. They were just young, and they just weren't coming together early in the season because our linebacking core was Kirksey, Hitchens and James Morris. Oh my God. Yeah. And we had Micah Hyde in the secondary. Was Desmond um, King a freshman? Nope. Desmond King was not a, f- a freshman. We had Micah Hyde back in the secondary playing corner. Um, and we had Sean Prater at the other corner. Um, our other safety was Tanner Miller. Um, we had up front though, we had Mike Daniels. <laughs> we had a lot of pros on this team. What happened? Yeah, we I I am not sure what happened with this year this year's team. They just came out on the wrong side of uh of some games. They lost that 41-44 game at Iowa State to a bad Iowa State team early in the season. Steel Jams. Yep, they lost the Steel Jants game. Lost a one-point game to Minnesota at Minnesota. Uh, kind of got the doors blown off a little bit by Michigan State, uh, but they beat Michigan and then unfortunately lost to Nebraska and then lost to Oklahoma in the bowl game as well. So it, it was kind of just an up-and-down season, basically. Wild. So, yeah, wild, wild, wild year, but... Um, and, and that would have been a GD GD offense, right? Yeah. Uh, no, sorry. That was the last year of Ken O'Keefe. Uh-huh. Greg Davis came in in 2012 and Vandenberg struggled to adjust to the Greg Davis offense and had one of the worst seasons <laughs> that we've seen from an Iowa quarterback in 2012, which is, I mean, he had a new offensive coordinator. He lost McNutt. He lost Keenan Davis. He lost Fedorowicz. He lost all those guys in the, I think, in the same. No, Fedorowicz was still around, but he lost his top two wide receivers and Coker left the team after that. And, and he was still better than Spencer Petrus 2022. <laughs> I actually am not sure about that. I, 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 would, I would bet the farm on it. I am not actually 100% sure about that. We'll look that up, we'll look that up later. <laughs> yeah, we could go all night, folks. Yeah. We could go all night on history. We'll try and keep it Western Michigan focused. But let's go ahead and uh, take a quick timeout and hear from our sponsor, 
sponsor at Revelton Distillery. At Revelton Distilling Company, everyone has become a part of the Revelton family. From the tailors and their daughter who helped perfect their award-winning gins, to the team who installed Lucy, our 33-foot-tall custom-made still, right down to the local farms that provide our coveted corn, and even the cows on those farms who consume our mash byproduct. Want to see the farm to flask come to life? Now you can tour Lucy and find out where we take Iowa's harvest and transform it into our finest spirits. Choose between a 45-minute tour or find out even more by scheduling a VIP behind-the-scenes tour to get the taste of the full Revelton experience. You can visit them at 1400 West Clay Street in Osceola, Iowa, or find all of Revelton's award-winning spirits at any local grocery or spirits retailer. And welcome back in. I looked it up really quick during the break. James Vandenberg, 2012, was slightly better than 2022. <laughs> Two more touchdowns with seven. Three more interceptions with eight. Petrus was five and five in that category. Completion percentage, roughly the same. Yardage, roughly the same. So it wasn't, it wasn't phenomenal. The offense that year, though, at least the saving grace was Mark Wiseman. So. Oh my God! Yeah, the fullback had no business being a halfback. Yeah, but did it anyway. Yeah. Um, what would you like to see from Iowa this week that would give you? I think we've already touched on it, maybe a little bit. But what would what would give you more confidence heading into the game next week against Penn State? Is there anything that Iowa could do this week to change? I mean, certainly could change your perception towards the negative, but is there anything that they could do to change your perception towards the positive going into a week four matchup? No. No, no. there isn't. This is like the one of the worst teams in the MAC. Like, I, it's, it's one of those things where they say, you know, scheduling you and I does nothing for you. Because you're either supposed to beat them and you do, or you get upset and you lose the whole kit and caboodle, right? Like there's no benefit of Iowa playing Western Michigan here. There, there is none, zero. We we got the Cyhawk Trophy back in Iowa City. That was great against a really good defense. I'm expecting 38-3, Andrew. Like that's what I that's the expectation for me. Just pure dominance for 60 minutes. I don't care who's playing quarterback. I hope it's Deacon Hill in the second half. Like I, no, no, no. I don't. I don't see a scenario where I'd be like, we have a chance to win at Happy Valley. I, I just don't. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I'm. I'm kind of with you there. I think the only thing that this game could bring that would be valuable, maybe, is building on some of that depth because we know injuries happen, and so. I think uh, the goal for this game is really get out to a big lead by halftime, you know, use your starters for the first half, get out to a huge lead, and then let's see the second string on both sides of the ball, maybe even some of the third string, maybe some of the, maybe this is a good game to get some of those true freshmen because they can play up to four games with and still redshirt. Right. So this is a good opportunity I think for Iowa to get everything rolling and then let's see some of these true freshmen that um, came in 
and maybe see Deacon Hill, definitely, and uh, Labus if he's healthy. Let's see both of them. Let's just have the quarterback battle for the backup spot on the field. Um, but is there any freshmen? I know that it's not a. There's not a lot of names that maybe people are familiar with unless you follow recruiting closely. Are there any freshmen, true freshmen, that you're excited about that you would like to see maybe in that second half? None that comes to mind. Not 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 off the top of my head. No. Do Do you have any? Yeah, I I'm thinking of one guy, and um, Terrell Washington Jr. He's a running back slash wide receiver kind of hybrid. Um, I can't remember where he's from. I'm not going to misspeak and screw it up. But he kind of reminds me a little bit. His highlight film reminds me of like a more explosive version of Arlen Bruce. Um, Which is kind of an, an intriguing prospect. I think he could be, you know, kind of like Caleb Brown was a running back in high school that converted to wide that is converted to wide receiver now. I think Terrell Washington is kind of in that same boat where maybe flew a little bit under the radar as a recruit and could play in that running back or wide receiver type role, kind of a slot guy as a wide receiver, kind of a third down running back as a running back. Um, So I don't think he's going to make a huge impact for the team this year unless unfortunate injuries happen. Uh, but I think he's kind of a guy that we're going to kind of see a lot of next year after maybe one of the guys in front of him moves on, uh, like LaShawn Williams kind of comes to mind in that, in that light. Um, but yeah, I think Terrell Washington is the one guy that I maybe want to see from, uh, from an offensive perspective, uh, defensive perspective. I want to see a couple of those Iowa Western boys. Uh, we got Ontario Thompson, who came in from Iowa Western, and Jackson Filer, who I believe led all of JUCO in sacks last year. He had like darn near 30 sacks or something just absolutely ridiculous at the and, junior college and, and, level. And, and he's a he's a legacy, right? Rodney Filer, his dad, longtime barnstormer, right? He is. He yeah. is. And those two played together um, at Iowa Western and won the national championship and man that was a ferocious d-line for a junior college having two guys that went to iowa and then they had another one that went somewhere else they had like three guys that are playing d high level d1 football now from that iowa western team on the defensive line it's absolutely insane so if i want maybe a couple of those guys to get in and and have some playing time and maybe in the late third fourth quarter the Hawkeyes have found diamonds in the rough over their Iowa Western. Uh, Nick Easley comes to mind, you know, yeah. uh, kid from Newton, where I'm from. Um, yeah, I mean, just talent that they dig out, and you know, they can't play any further than you know two years anyway. Had nothing to lose. Got us. Did he get a scholarship his senior year? He walked yeah. off his junior, but he got awarded a, a senior year, right? Yeah, Nick, Nick Easley did get a scholarship his last year. But yeah, um, I mean, powerhouse over there in Council Bluff, Council Bluffs, right? I think so. Council Bluffs, Missouri Valley, somewhere over there. <laughs> yeah, 
Yep, somewhere over on the western side of the state. So Council Bluffs would make the most sense, I'm assuming so. Um, but 38 to 3, that's your official prediction? That is my official prediction, yeah. We're not they're not hitting the end zone. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. Our last down here, we gotta unfortunately I hate to do this. We're gonna talk about probably the most negative news that came out this week, and that's that the NCAA decided to uphold Noah Shannon's suspension. His Iowa career is done unless there's any other channel that we can go to, uh, go through. Uh, I know that Kirk Ferentz briefly mentioned that they're trying to explore it, but I think it's kind of a lost cause, unfortunately. Um, that is just an absolute gut punch for and I mean, we're talking about a guy who did this over one Iowa women's basketball game. Uh, and that's really what made it a 12-game suspension, according to the NCAA. Free Noah Shannon. Like, like we've seen it circulating on Twitter. Every time I see it, I'm going to share it because what are we doing? There's so many guys that have done so many worse things that are that we're allowed to play. Yeah, so. I mean, this kid didn't steal his parents' identity. He he did it of legal age. It it wasn't his sport, or even a game he played in. You know, um, it was against the rules, right? That's the that's the that's the only thing they can hang their head hat on. And and we're gonna see eventually an overcorrection of the market of of these violations later on down the line because they're gonna realize how many people are actually doing this or have done it like whether they want to find out or not, you know, there's States out there, you know, in the deep South that don't have sports gambling. So they don't necessarily have to worry about it. The Alabamas and Georgias of the world, you know, but you can't tell me that their legislations are going to go in there and actively look for it either. Not in those deep South sec States, not a chance in hell. No. And the other element of this is Noah Shannon was coming back for his sixth year as well. And he, you know, given the timing of some of the bets that he made that he's now being held accountable for, his decision to come back was up in the air at that point in time. So he made those bets as a 22, 23-year-old man thinking, I'm done with football. True. And then after, decided to come back and is now being punished for it. And so that is kind of what I have a problem with because they're looking at it in a, in a vacuum. And I think that's what Kirk was alluding to when he said, you know, it was a good opportunity for the committee to look at the appeal and maybe have some leeway, but they unfortunately just didn't see it that way. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll look back on this with as much disdain as we look back on the Drew Ott decision. I don't know if you remember that Drew Ott getting denied for. That was just, awful. Yeah, that was an awful reason, too. But um, we'll look back on this one with, with that kind of level of disdain. Um, so, and, then, and, and that's the thing, too, right? So it was March Madness. So, like, was Noah Shannon even in class? Was he even a student then? I'm guessing he was still probably as technically a student at that point in time. But what, I mean, are there penalties for students to make sports bets? Because if you're not an athlete and you're just simply a student at that point, what's the harm? There is none. Yeah. Like, I, like I'm just saying, I'm, I'm like double downing on your point of 
Like, is he even on the football team right then? Like, are they doing anything until spring practice? Like, is he an active participant on the football team when he's making those bets? Like you said. I don't think so. If not, it's close. It's stupid. Yeah. It's stupid. He broke the rules. The NCAA is making an example out of him. And I've kind of brought this up on uh, a couple times on some KXNO shows. Um, what do they do? What happens if they actually play him anyway? What do they? What if they play these suspended players anyway? How is how is the NCAA going to enforce these punishments? They don't own the college football playoff. They don't own any of the the television rights for the conferences. Like, what's stopping these schools from just playing them anyway? Oh, you're ineligible. Well, tough shit, man, because these conferences, these big two, you say big two, I say big three conferences are posturing up to be super conferences to break away from the NCAA anyway, right? That's why they're doing it. Do you agree with that? Yeah. So who cares? Yeah. That's that's my thing. The, the only thing I could see is they would just say, you know, you have to forfeit the outcome it's a loss for playing an ineligible player. I don't know. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. Again, it's gonna it's gonna speed up what you're talking about with these conferences wanting to break away because they're they're gonna be like, okay, NCAA, like we saw the Noah Shannon situation, but we also saw the North Carolina situation, the Mac sure. Brown situation. Or how about the baseball team that set out 25 freaking games? Yeah. Wait, wait, waiting for a decision. Yep. To, to only permanently disqualify all of them, including one of the Big Ten's best hitters in Keaton Anthony. Like, I would have let him play until they deemed me ineligible. Yeah. You can't, you can't retroactively, like, punish a team for playing somebody that you haven't suspended yet. No, you certainly can't. Uh, but I just, again, I just think people are seeing more and more kind of the, you know, the hypocrisy, the unequal punishment, the, you know, everything that the NCAA does. It doesn't really help athletes. It, it only harms them seemingly like they we only ever hear about the NCAA when it comes time for punishment. So what what do we even have them for? So and, and these schools and punishments are taking gambling dollars. You know? Oh yeah, yeah. Uh, they'll they'll suspend Noah Shannon for the season, but they won't take their DraftKings ads off the air. Unbelievable. So they'll, they'll, they'll go ahead and and run their DraftKings and FanDuel ads. But man, we could go all day. Um, I am. We let, let's go ahead and hear from one of our great sponsors, who uh, we really appreciate, Kyle Lehman at Wintrust Mortgage. Are you in the market for a new house and unsure of the mortgage process? Want to know that you have someone looking out for you? Kyle Lehman from Wintrust Mortgage is a down-to-earth, knowledgeable lender who can be there for you in your corner. He can work with you in any of the 50 states and is just what you need to expand your home search. Kyle will work with you through the entire process with little to no work from you. Take the worry of the mortgage process out of the equation so that you can focus on looking for your dream home. 
Contact Kyle at www.wintrust.com forward slash Kyle dash Lehman or call him at 515-473-0546. All right. Thank you, Kyle. Appreciate it. Uh, Time for our final cut. Drew, give us your final thoughts before we sign off for tonight. Aaron Graves is going to be the Big Ten Defensive Player of the Week. Over two and a half sacks. I love it. Um, I did not give my score prediction yet, so I'll do that now. Iowa covers the spread easily. Drew said 38-3. to I'm going to go ahead and give them one more touchdown so they can be seven more points ahead. 45 to three this week <laughs> and uh, the drive to 325 is going to be off to the races. Hawks are going to be three and oh, moving to Penn state. That'll do it for us. Uh, we appreciate you joining our live feed of the Hawks. I view we're here every Thursday night. We'll be back Saturday after the game for a quick 10, 15 minute wrap up of our instant reaction thoughts. So join us then uh, we'll appreciate it. Appreciate all of you. Go listen to us on Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts, YouTube. Uh, Appreciate you all. Thank you all for listening. And have a great night. Go Hawks. Go Hawks.